Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome in to the OBR Film Breakdown, the show that I know you're dying to hear after your Cleveland Browns lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers 15-10. Before we dive into some of our thoughts about the game, as I'll be joined by Stephen Thomas, Mr. Brown's Mock Draft, I want to take a quick minute to remind you about our focal sponsor here on the show, TickPick, T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, TickPick.com, the original no-fee ticket site, the site Offers you a price that you see when you're purchasing your tickets. That's the price you'll pay when you check out. Offering a $10 off first-time offer. Just go to TickPick.com slash Breakdown. That's the only way to get there. Have to use slash Breakdown. There's no promo code. You have to go there using slash Breakdown. They're so confident in their prices that if you do find one on another ticket-broking site for cheaper, they'll match the difference up to 110%. So take advantage of the promo. Go to TickPick.com slash Breakdown. Get your Lions tickets. I think that's the next home game coming up. And get $10 off of those tickets. I might be there myself. Who knows? Anyway, welcome into the show, Mr. Stephen Thomas. We're going to do like a uh, stream of consciousness therapy session deal here, brother. How are you? Uh, not nearly drunk enough after that, but, uh, you know, that's probably a good good time for you to call me at this point. Because an hour from now, it would be uh, it would be a di- totally different show. It's yeah, man. I I needed. We did the post game on on Twitch, and I needed to get away from it because I just I needed to step back. And and sometimes you get so so focused in on what happened uh, and being disappointed in the outcome that you can say things you regret. So I thought this one was a good chance to step back, think about it, try to gain some perspective, if any is to be gained, and just kind of go through what happened. I mean, is there any perspective you've gained since this game ended? What, four hours ago, five hours ago now? I still don't know what happened today. I still don't know what I watched. None of it made any sense. This entire season, actually just the last month, makes no sense. We said it on the Twitch show. Uh, You and I have texted about it. I'm saying it again. There is too much talent all over the place on both sides of the ball for them to be playing this inconsistently it just it there's no i'm out we're out of explanations i mean this this entire pod could be 45 minutes of a married couple trying to go figure out where they want to go out to eat i don't know where do you want to go i don't know where do you want to go it's just going to be us saying i don't know what do you think it is i don't know what do you think it is because there's you can blame everybody and you can blame nobody there you know no one is blameless i thought I thought Baker was the best player on the field today for the Browns, and I didn't think he played a great game. I thought he played a good game. You know, uh, I thought Miles played very well. I thought Greg Newsom had a really good game. Um, other than that, except in short bursts, I just I, I don't know that you look at anybody and say that they're blameless. There was there were relatively few holes opened up by the offensive line. Um, Nick coming back from his injury did not have his, his initial, his burst that he normally has. Um, the drops we've all, you know, everyone, if you're listening to this, you've been on, you know, Brown's Twitter and, and radio and all that kind of stuff. So you've heard about the drops repeatedly. I'm sure, um, the silly penalties, it, it, you know, I, 
There's a million things you could point to. I said it on, on the postgame show. They had at least 10 chances where if they make this play, they win the game. Okay, well, they, they blew that one. Well, here's another chance. If they make this play, they win the game. And they just didn't do it. They just didn't step up and do it. So for those of you out there listening right now and you want to try to clan, there's a lot of people that do this. They say, oh, well, it's clearly what this one thing. Okay, it's not clearly just that one thing. But that one thing is definitely one of the things, you know, that you're not more right or more wrong than anybody else. There's plenty of blame to go along. And if you watch the postgame pressures or uh, pressers, you heard pretty much the same thing. They all stepped up as we thought they would. The character of this team is not in question. It's the execution of this team that's in question. Yeah, the execution is a major problem. And I think your point is like I tried to echo on Twitter. We could spend the next week arguing about this, which will happen no matter what, because we can argue whether... Uh, it's Monday on Monday, and people would still argue maybe it's still Sunday or maybe it's Tuesday. <laughs> but, like, they've been so disappointing this year. Uh, and I know they're 4-4, four and four and that's great, and, they, you know, they could be worse. I get it. But they've been so disappointing this year for based on what I think expectations were coming into the year that you could pick anything. You could literally pick any part of this team, and you're right. Like, you're right. At some point, you've been right in the past seven weeks, eight weeks. You've been right. So... You can argue Stefanski, you can argue Baker, you can argue Jarvis, you can argue Odell, you can argue the defense, you can argue Joe Woods, you can do whatever you want to do. You're probably, over the past eight weeks, not wrong at some various point. And that speaks, Steve, to the bigger issue at hand here. It is a snowball effect at this point, and I even had to text you earlier to remind myself to make the point of it. To me, it feels like everybody on the team is waiting for somebody else to make the play. It is somebody else will do it. I just don't want to be the one who screws it up. Like, there's just a bunch of guys out there trying to not screw up, and there's and there's less guys trying to go make winning plays, if that makes sense. Like, I don't see a bunch of guys trying to make winning plays. Now, that could be a byproduct of they're missing on plays, and, like, that's an easy, logical thing to say. Like, okay, idiot, they're missing plays, so you could say they're not making the winning plays, they're not trying. But, like, I just think that... To me, it feels like everybody else is waiting on somebody else to make that play that matters. And you're just trying to not be the guy who screws up. And they're playing almost not to lose instead of playing passionately on the edge to win. That's the thing I keep thinking about. And that's both sides of the ball, Steve. Yeah, and I think it's a very... I'm not even going to say a short walk. I'm going to say it's a razor thin difference between that and they're pressing too hard, which is causing them to tense up, which is another possibility. Um, because again, I said this on, on the post game, I, I don't want anyone out there saying, and, I, and thankfully this uh, of the many takes that we've seen, this is this one I haven't seen much of. Maybe it's just cause I have a good timeline full of smart Browns fans, but I have not seen a lot of people saying, Oh, they just don't care. They just quit. They're not, you know, they're not giving their all. Or they, That's the one thing you cannot say about this team. Th- those guys are, if you think we're frustrated, how do, how do you think they feel in that locker room? Those guys are giving everything they have to give. They are trying so hard to win. They're, I mean, they're playing. Baker and Odell have their one of their arms basically taped to their body. And they're out there playing a sport that has been described by guys who play it as like getting in a car wreck every Sunday. The heart of this team has never been in question. The the determination, the commitment of this team to go out there and give their all 
has never been in question and shouldn't be questioned by anybody out there. It is, these guys are playing their asses off. They are giving everything they have to give and 10% more for this city. And maybe that is leading to pressing too hard, you know, because that's the other thing, you know, it's not that much different than what you're saying, playing not to lose, but it's in a similar mindset where you're thinking too much instead of just going out there and playing like the world-class athlete that you are, that you have to be to step onto an NFL gridiron. Nobody, nobody, despite what, you know, Joe Bunch of Numbers wants to tweet a thousand times, not one single player in the NFL, quote unquote, sucks. None of them. The worst player in the league is still a world-class athlete. And every one of those athletes in this Cleveland Browns locker room is doing everything they can possibly do. That's not in question. But I don't think anybody anymore can can say it's 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 simply not working. Wh- whatever they're doing, it's just not working. I, I tweeted something out in the middle of the game. It, it feels like every single play on offense, 10 guys do their job. And one guy doesn't. And that one guy rotates. I'm not saying it's one guy's fault all the time. Yeah. It, you know, one one play, it's, you know, just drops a ball that hits him between the eight and the zero. The next play, Odell's running naked down the sideline and Baker misses him by five yards or Case misses him by five yards last week. Uh, you know, uh, the next play, uh, you know, Wyatt Teller you know, doesn't quite seal. And, and the backside guy runs down. There was one play... Uh, Dearness Johnson got run down from the backside by Alex Highsmith today. And if Highsmith hadn't got him, there was 30 yards of green in front of him. It just it's and I'm not saying that was that particular play was Wyatt Teller's fault. I'm just using examples here. Uh, it feels like it's one tiny. It, it's so close. That's what's so frustrating. They're not missing by much. It's so freaking close. But you can't be so close for this long without it getting frustrating. It it. You hear for decades, if you've watched sports, all 11 guys have to do their job or the play falls apart. And people tune that out because they say, oh, that's just coach speak. No, that's 100 percent true. If 11 guys don't do their job, the play, the offense looks like it's looked for the past month. So much talent. But one guy is just not one guy jumps off sides. One guy gets a holding penalty. One guy, you know, lines up in the wrong spot. It's it's crazy how many tiny little things but over the course of a game, that's the difference. That's the difference between 15 and to 10 or 10 to 15. Which side of that score are you on? Yeah. Are those little things? So I, I, I don't want to say that you're wrong. I just think it's a slight. I think we're saying the same thing, just from slightly different angles there, if that makes sense. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's the, it's the every other game. They, it's like how many times do you think the Browns have put it all together on both sides? There have not been... There have not been enough. There have not been nearly enough. And it's it's not just one side like you're talking about, which is true. You can you can microanalyze it and look at how one side is doing that, but you can also look at how the team is doing that, right? How they that's oh, that's why we feel overwhelmed as fans, because the team has consistently failed in that regard. So, you know, I it's frustrating. Uh, it, let's real quick talk about performances though, Steve. Uh, it, for the game Pittsburgh has 21 first downs to Cleveland's 19. Uh, third downs, neither team were good on third down. I think I think Pittsburgh uh, had a – did they have one fourth down conversion or multiples? They had two, right, actually? They I think were they... four out of 13 on third down and two out of four on fourth down. And I think one of those fourth downs technically was the fake field goal. So really they were two out of three on fourth down. And, yeah. you know, what's really – and this is the other thing that's so frustrating about it is one of those fourth down conversions was that – I, you know, I'm going to wait for the SIS data to come out, but when Roethlisberger threw that ball to Friermouth, I cannot believe it was more than 5% to be completed. Yeah. That was an impossible play to make. It just doesn't And it even made. got tipped, you know? Against even... anybody but the Browns. It does mm-hmm. not play, does not get made. But, again, like I said uh, you know, earlier today, when the lights shone the brightest, unfortunately, the Pittsburgh Steelers stepped up and made the plays they had to to win the game, and the Cleveland Browns stepped up and found ways to not make the multiple ways to not make the plays. So, yes, it was a ludicrous catch. Yes, it shouldn't have happened. Yes, it's just it's an OIC moment. But you know, I I mean, how many times can we say that? Yeah. How many times can we say that? We challenge that it seems like on a yearly basis. So, uh total net yards 370 for Pittsburgh, 306 for Cleveland. They ran 11 more plays, 69 to Cleveland's 58. 5.4 to 5.3 rushing net. This is the one that I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. Yep. 115 net rushing for Pittsburgh and the 96 number for Cleveland. I just cannot. You could put in a lot of things, but but how they out-physicaled Cleveland up front was just not something I saw coming. I really didn't see it coming. So passing yards, they also uh, led in that one, 255 to 210. Pittsburgh actually called for more penalties and double the amount of yards. Eight penalties, 65 to Cleveland's five for 30. One turnover for Cleveland on the fumble. Four punts for both teams. Pittsburgh scores two touchdowns to Cleveland's one, and they have three more minutes of possession. Um, stats for Cleveland. Nick Chubb, 16 for 61. Dearness Johnson, only four carries for 22. So really only 20. Uh, I take that back. Felton had one carry from the gun, so 21 rush attempts, Steve. 31 uh, throws for Baker Mayfield. Only nine of those were play action. 31, 20 of 31, 225. No touchdowns, no interceptions. And man, when they get inside the red zone, there were two chances inside the red zone, Steve. 
And uh, both times, one of them they did score on, but the other one, and both times they ended up being like, it was first and goal from the nine or the eight. And I just was like, I have no faith this team can score. I, I've never felt less, I don't know, helpless, I guess is the right word. I, I just feel so helpless about how they're playing the red zone. I have no faith that they can find a way to score touchdowns. Do you feel that too? Yeah, it, and, and it's frustrating because they were so good in the red zone. And, you know, again, as we've been saying, you look at the personnel that they have. Uh, Odell, over the course of his career, separates quickly, which is what, you know, despite what some people want to believe, that you need a 6'5 wide receiver who can catch jump balls, and that's the only way to score in the red zone. That's actually, as far as I recall the stats, that's completely wrong. You want someone who can separate quickly and then a quarterback who can zip it in there. And we have that, and they're just not doing it. Uh, Odell can do that. Jarvis is good at settling down and using his body as a shield. We all know what David Njoku can do as a, as a red zone receiving target. And despite the, what I'm about to say is going to piss off a certain segment of Browns fans who've been howling since he signed his contract, Austin Hooper over the course of his career has been a tremendous red zone target. And then you've got, you know, when they're all healthy, three devastating running backs and an elusive new rookie in, um, uh, Demetric Felton. So, I, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. And, and it, it start, it's starting to feel like what you said at the top of the show. They get into the red zone and they're almost gator arming because they're just so nervous. They're, they're, they're turning into it. Okay. It feels like, I want to be clear about this. It feels like, I can't speak to what they're actually doing, that they are getting OIC in their head. They are turning into us in the stands who have watched this franchise for 50 years find ways to lose games that are absolutely impossible to lose. And yeah, you could only have so many. You, you could only have so many of those things happen, Steve. Like, what are they now? Yeah. Oh, for their last, or they're, they've they've failed on 12 fourth downs. Is that number right now uh, with with today's outcome? That could be something like that. Yeah, but like, that definitely has to play into why they 100%. didn't go for it on that fourth and inches at at, at midfield. Is that's oh, because is, yeah. of the and, pressure. And, There's no doubt in my uh, mind. It's Stefanski hearing people talk and talk and talk and talk about it, right? It's ridiculous to me. It's you still go. I don't care. People are like, oh, well, you got to foot. No, on fourth and a foot in a game that by that time we saw how this game was going. By that time in the game, you you knew the flow of this game. One more touchdown was probably going to be enough, you know, or at least another field goal there was going to help. I that's it wasn't. There's people out there trying to say, oh, Stefanski needs to give up play calling, and he's not it. And he's. Ju- I saw this one a bunch today. It was trending for a while. He's just Freddie Kitchens, and it just made me want to hurl my uh, laptop into the ocean. But that was one call that I did not like at all, and I said so at the time. You have to go for it there. You absolutely have to go for it there. You have to try to win the game. Um, but you know, I I don't know what's going on in the red zone. I have no idea what's going on in the red zone. Uh, Baker came out of the gate in his career, a, a monster in the red zone, and, and it's just regressed for the last couple of years. Not just because of him. That's not what I'm saying. But it's it, the entire offense has regressed in the red zone this year, and it's just – I mean, we keep saying this, and people are probably already tired of hearing it, but I'm out of explanations. Well, it's like it, a hitter. It makes, it's like a hitter who's below no the Mendoza line, and you're like – why can't this really good hitter figure it out? I'm trying to think of the right comparison from a hitter's perspective. But you do. You start to feel the pressure of failure oh, sure. like mounting on you. And I think that's a you large think- part of what's going on. But that thing, that like was a crucial point in the game, Steve. It was 10-9. 10, 10 they get the holding mm-hmm. call on the two-point. They stop them. 
They get this this other kicker. I can't even remember the big fellow's name. Kicks it out of bounds. They get it to 35. They get a first down. It's at the 50. It's fourth and one. A 10 to 9 game. And they decided not to go for it. So, I I mean, he's got to be who he is. I thought that was a really strange decision. I could not believe that he didn't go for it. Throw it out all of the people who complain all the time about it. But it is, and I had to tweet it earlier when Trotter posted about the 12 fourth down failures. It is the storyline of this season for the offense. It kind of encapsulates everything to me is that they can't figure out these fourth down situations. And even the one that they failed on earlier in the game, again, I don't nitpick Kevin. I think Kevin did really well today, but that run was one of their slower side-to-side little little like counters that they do. And it's like, you really want to do something slow developing on fourth and one? You ran Johnny Stanton two times the week before fourth and ones and got him easily. Got them. I don't, I mean, what, what, why didn't we do? I don't know. Again, I'm sure there are play, every coach, every play caller wants some calls back. I was just kind of confused. I'll watch the all 22 and see if Pittsburgh was stacking a gaps to do that. But like, I just couldn't figure it out, man. Couldn't figure those out. That didn't totally make much sense. But otherwise I thought there were so many opportunities through things that they ran to complete throws. And they were, they were there. I mean, Jarvis had 10 targets, five receptions, 65 yards. I'm not trying to pile on Jarvis. I'm sure he feels like, I can't even imagine how he feels. He feels terrible. It's not in his nature to drop that many throws right. in a single game, but he crushed them today. And it hurt, man. It hurt them when they needed to find a way to win this game. The drops were, they were terrible. The fumble was terrible. And he'll he's already said the same things. I'm really not trying to pile on the guy. But right. you can't, you can't, if you want to be the dude, and he is the dude, and he talks like the dude, and he is, I'm, I've, I've enjoyed many things Jarvis has done here, but you can't do that. You can't, you can't, you can't. And it was, it was really backbreaking, and um, it sucked. David Njoku, only three targets, 39 yards. Again, think when he gets the football, good things seem to happen. Harrison Bryant had two for 33. Richard Higgins had two for 27. Think he also had a drop on a back hit ball. Uh, tough catch, but you're in the NFL. You got to catch it. Four for 26 for Hooper, Felton one for 14, Chubb one for eight, Dennis Johnson one for seven on three targets. Browns tried their share of screens today, man, like a ton of them. Odell had one for six. I'm not even going to waste breath on Odell at this point. I don't know what to say anymore about it. They don't want to manufacture targets for him. I thought the post down the middle had a chance to be caught, but it was high. I get it, but I had thought it had a chance to be caught late in the game there when. When Baker got rattled for the roughing the passer call, I, it just isn't working. I'm just to the point that all I say anymore is it's not working. That's all I got, Steve. Yeah, I mean, there is no explanation. Uh, if he's open, uh, Baker somehow doesn't see him most of the time. When he does see him, he misses him You know, most of the time. I don't know why. I, I There's no explanation for it. Um, I don't think he is significantly worse in any way than the receiver that he was a few years ago. You know, I, I doesn't appear to me that he's running any different on the knee or anything like that. It does not appear that the uh, arm has been holding, holding him back. I mean, how many times in your, in your film breakdowns have you watched and, and he's just naked. I mean, he's, he's open a lot. They just can't, I, I don't know why I we're out of explanations. There's no rhyme or reason to it anymore. But like you said, what we cannot ignore anymore is that it's just not working. Now, can it turn around? Of course. 
all these people saying, oh, just trade him for whatever. Trade him for a sixth. They're yeah, not I, trading him. It's too much money. I, no one's taking it. Yeah, I mean, unless somebody comes and blows their doors off in the next 48 hours, I can't see them moving on uh, from him before the trade deadline. And there's, I mean, these... These are two, and you know, you want to throw Jarvis in there. Those three guys—they haven't played a lot together in the last year because of the injuries. They're three extremely talented football players, and for whatever reason, they just—it's like round peg square hole, and, and it doesn't seem to make sense. But what we can't ignore anymore is that it's not making sense. It's not working. So you have to, much like we've said uh, repeatedly about playing eight yards off uh, on defense. You apply the same thinking to, to the Baker Odell situation. What you're doing is not working. So you got to try something different. I understand the system. I get it. I, and you know, yes, there are guys that are open very frequently and, but whatever's going on is not working. So I, I don't know if it's manufactured touches. I don't know if you force the ball to him early to get him involved. You know, all these things that people say, I don't know if that's the way to do it, but I do know what they're doing now isn't working and it can't continue. But the thing is, it, it probably does. <laughs> like they're not going, they're really not going to trade him. They can't trade him. There's nobody that can take on that money. And if there is a random team, the, the return won't be great. I don't know. Right. I don't know. It's a microcosm of the season. It, it is. It is not going to go away. It is probably headed towards a um, shake hands and part decision in the off season at this point, unless something just dramatically changes. Uh, in the last half of this year, but it's hard to see that coming to fruition. Tackles-wise, Malcolm Smith and Anthony Walker. Well, and we should oh, say ahead. just one more thing here, just one more thing on this. As we're, we're it, it, We keep saying we're not piling on, and we're not, but it probably sounds like we are to some people trying to say that the season is over or whatever. That's not what we're saying at all. We should clarify. They're 4-4. Four and four. They're only one game out of the playoffs race in, in the AFC right now. There are, uh, what, nine more games remaining. There is still plenty of time for this team to, to figure out whatever the hell it is that they need to figure out and make another run like they did in the back half of last year and be, we will all laugh about it if this happens. We'll go, man, remember how pissed off we all were after that Steelers game? Man, whatever. You know, hopefully that'll be one of those things at the end of the season that you look back and the, and the you know, the ESPN guys say things like, well, that was the, the fulcrum. That was a turning point. There was a closed door meeting because they hit their bottom and they came out a different team the next week. Let's hope that that's what it is. And there's still plenty of time for that. We are not saying the season is over. We are not saying throw in the towel, trade everybody and start looking at the draft again. Although I've been inundated with tweets like that already since the end of this game. Hey, where are they picking? You know, uh, tell me some draft names. I'm like, holy crap, guys. They're four and four. Okay. They're not one and seven. Um, so there's still plenty of time to, to turn this ship around. It can happen. And there's so many talented people in that building from the, the players on up to the coaching staff, on up to the front office, that if it happens, I honestly will not be surprised. Now, if you ask me to lay out a map of how that's going to happen, I don't have a friggin' clue. I think we've made that perfectly clear. Okay. I don't know how to fix what's going wrong. I just know what's going on now is not working. I just wanted to clarify for our lip, for your listeners, we are not giving up. We are not saying throw in the towel on this season. It is not over. It is far from over. It's not even halfway over. There's still plenty of time. We're just saying that there are some glaring issues that can no longer be ignored or written off to, well, it's early. They're still finding their feet, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's time to, to ask some really hard questions in that locker room and maybe try some different stuff. 
Yeah, it's it's the thing I talk about, concerned and panicked. I hope they're panicked right now because if they're not playing with the highest sense of urgency moving forward, it's a lost cause. I'm panicked. Losing this game to Pittsburgh puts me into the panic mode. Like your season is hanging in the balance now. It is yep. full-on panic over the next three weeks. If they drop any of these next three games, I I mean, you're you're talking about a massive uphill battle. The Browns only have one team, I believe, the Lions, who are under 500 right now, remaining on their schedule. So, and that game scares the piss out of me as a Browns of fan because I've seen it happen so many times over the years. Every game scares the piss out of us right now because they're not playing well. You know, right. it's like every game should scare and it should scare those guys. They should have what's called appropriate fear of everybody. They should if they didn't have fear of Pittsburgh, that's embarrassing today. They should have had fear of them. So I don't know. To finish out stats, Malcolm Smith had 10 tackles. Anthony Walker had eight. Mac Wilson had seven. Um, he was on the field a lot, Mac, because Pittsburgh was running the ball way better than I think any of us anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, Troy Hill had six down the line. Um, Miles had a sack and Malik McDowell had a sack and, um, that's it. We'll talk Pittsburgh real quick. Najee Harris had 26 for 91. He's the tough SOB we thought he was, man. Doesn't come down with weak tackles. And I didn't think Cleveland tackled very well. I think it'll be their worst tackle no. rate of the season. Uh, Claypool had a couple of different little reverses. He had 16 yards. Ray Ray McLeod had a reverse 10 yards. Ben 22 of 34, 266, a touchdown. They didn't turn him over once. That's a problem and why you lose. Deontay Johnson had only six catches on 13 targets, but he had that 50 yarder there to close the game out. 98 yards total. Four or five catches for 45 for Claypool. Four of seven, 44 yards and a touchdown for Pat Fryermuth. Zach Gentry had three for 39 with that 24 yarder looming pretty large there. Um, and then Najee Harris had three for 29. And then Schobert actually led Pittsburgh with nine tackles on the day. T.J. Watt had six, including a sack and a half. Cam Hayward had a half sack. Chris Wormley had a sack. And Isaiah Loudermilk, hate that name, he had a sack as well. Um, that's really all I got from a statistical thing. Again, it boils down to this to me, Steve. Cleveland, three of ten on third down, 0 for one on fourth down. It's been the common theme. Pittsburgh, although four for 13 on third down, Two for three, like you said. So you go six for 15. It's better. Money downs, Pittsburgh won. Cleveland didn't. It is in these tight spots. The OIC stuff is there for them. I think they feel the pressure of the world. And I think that to me is like, when are they going to snap out of it is the thing. If they are not going to, then the season's defined and we know where it's going. If they do snap out of it, they have a real chance here. So I just don't know. Everything hangs in the balance right now. I, I really have no expectations going forward. I don't know. I don't know where they are. I don't know who's going to step up and be the uh, the face to carry them through it. I, I really don't. I really don't. I I'm just uh, I'm just going to sit back and let it unfold. That's a lame thing to say, but I just I think there's still a lot. I think we think we have a lot of these guys figured out, and I don't know that we do, Steve. I think we need to see who rises out of this. And, you know, makes themselves known to the franchise. I was I was really impressed with Greg Newsom today. I don't know if you were. I thought he yes. played his butt off. A great tackle there on that, that third, and what was it, third and four? Uh, just an unbelievable tackle there I was really impressed with. But, you know, um, I don't even know if there's even very much more to talk about. We, we could probably close this sucker. I, I don't... I don't know. I'm sure we got to rewatch the tape and everything like that. I've ha- I've said I don't know 75 times a day because I'm sure they're saying a lot of the same things. I'm flummoxed. Oh, absolutely. I'm absolutely flummoxed with how this happened today. 
Well, and we also have to, um, you know, uh, look about, uh, we can't write off, not using an excuse, but unbelievable injury issues that this, that this team is going through this year. Injuries are part of the game. We all expect injuries. Nobody's going to be, you know, healthy. You're not going to have your starting 22. You're not going to have, uh, but the number of key guys, key guys that have been out is is staggering at this point. I mean, Jack Conklin back for less than a half. He's gone. I, I, I think I heard it was a wrist, which is, you know, for an offensive lineman, that could be a long-term thing. John Johnson. And, I thought, and I, I, thought I, I saw a dislocated not, elbow, which is gruesome. If you've ever seen oh, that's even more. That's even worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but John Johnson, I understand he hasn't been having the same year that we all expected from him. He hasn't been having the year that he had last year. I get that. But he's a veteran presence out there. He was gone. Uh, Denzel Ward didn't play. A.J. Green didn't play. I mean, they had Tim Harris playing for a couple of plays in, in the red zone this year. I, I, you know, I, I mean, it's not an excuse, but it's something that has to be taken into account, as well as I, I think. Another, you're talking about the little things. We've been talking about you got to make this play, you got to make that play, and it's the margin of error in the NFL and two inches to the left and all, all those buzzwords that we say. The the stupid penalties are totally out of character from what we saw last year. I I'm shocked at how much that it's becoming a, a consistent thing. Just silly stupid, like mental, and I'm not talking about, you know, accidentally reaching up and grabbing a face mask or an offensive lineman get called for holding or whatever. Offensive linemen hold pretty much every play, you know? So, I mean, I'm not talking about physical, I'm talking about the mental stuff, the lining up uh, on the wrong spot, the jumping the snap uh, by um, uh, Hollywood today. Ronnie Harrison, That I, I, I cannot fathom what he was thinking when he, uh, when he got that, uh, that penalty. Uh, hitting, uh, who did he hit out of bounds? I'm blanking on it. Um, I can't even tell. Uh, it might have been Claypool. Who, who knows? It not. It's not even. It's not even a point. It's like it even it made him to being Harris. What are you doing, but, dude? How many times yeah. can this guy show that he can't handle the mental side of the game? Like how many times he's played himself out of a contract? In my opinion. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That was the one thing that that I was sitting here as I was thinking to myself. If we remember back, go back to August in your mind, if you're listening to this and you, where we were talking about, you know, the potential contracts and how are they going to fit them all in? And it was Baker and Denzel and and maybe Clowney and and, and Ronnie Harrison and and you know, uh, name it. Who who was Nick before he signed his thing and Wyatt Teller? There's only so many contracts. It's a game of contract musical chairs. Well, a couple of those have sort of answered themselves, haven't they? I, I mean, you hate maybe to say they can it. fit them all in, Steve. Maybe that's well, the they thing could now. at this point. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Denzel's year, and I'm not picking on Denzel, but his year has not led itself to a monster uh, extension before. We've got him for next year. People seem to people are under the impression that he and Baker are in a contract year for some reason. No, they picked up their fifth year option. So if they decide that you know Denzel's injuries and Baker's shoulder and everything, hey, we're going to push this out another year. That's an option. They don't have to pick up those two guys this year. So maybe those two questions have answered themselves. Ronnie Harrison's play, uh, the mistakes, the penalties are are absolutely inexcusable. And his play on the field hasn't been what it was last year, at least not to my eyes. I thought, you know, he was he got was dinged up a lot last year. But when he was on the field, I thought he was really, really good. And I was really excited about the pickup and the long-term prospects of that safety room. I don't think he's played anywhere near as well as he played last year. So 
Will he get a monster extension? Maybe he will. Maybe they'll keep him around. But I think if it comes down to Ronnie Harrison or Wyatt Teller or, you know, Ronnie Harrison or Jadevian Clowney decides he wants to come back for edge two money or something like that. I think 33 is like you said, could very well have played be playing himself out of a contract. So there might be enough chairs for this year. And if they do decide to push Baker and Denzel into next year. And I don't know if they're going to. I'm just saying that that's an option. If they decide to do that, maybe this helps them stack those cap hits so that they can try to keep everybody, if that's what they decide they want to do. So, yeah, it's, I mean, let's look at the, where are they? I had them listed out here, and now I can't find it, the penalties and the mistakes and everything. Uh, oh, yeah, Rashard Higgins jumped a snap on third and 11 instead of third and 16. Uh, that definitely, especially if you throw the, you know, the four or five yard throw to uh, Hooper on third down there, uh, that changes it fourth and six or seven is vastly different from fourth and 12 or whatever it ended up being, you know, it's not uh, much of a desperation. Uh, Jarvis Landry had a holding penalty. Um, uh, you know, uh, the tackling we mentioned, we mentioned in the pre, uh, pregame and, and, you know, these are things I'm not happy that I was right about, but we did mention them. Friermuth in the red zone was going to be a problem. Scored a touchdown on that crazy catch and had a couple other big catches. And the initial contact has to bring the runner down. They had done it most of the year until the second half of the Broncos game. And then today, as you mentioned, how many times? I mean, seriously, if you're listening, think back, be realistic. How many times did the first guy bring the guy down? It wasn't very often. The first guy, that's how Najee Harris got all those yards. He hit somebody, and then three and a half yards later, that's when he was down, over and over and over and over. And you cannot do that against any team in the NFL. And despite all of this, it's been nothing but negative since this game, and since the game ended, and deservedly so. Despite all of that, we were talking about this in real time as it was happening. They were 24 yards from a win. 24 yards. One pass completion. They were from winning that game anyway. That is how much better they are talent-wise than the team they lost to today, which, yeah. again, is what makes it so frustrating. Because, yes, they're 4-4. Four and four. They're inches from being at least 6-2, and two, okay? If, they, if the offense had played the way they did in the Houston game, which, as you recall, everybody was really angry about how they played in the Houston game, if they had executed at the level they did against the Houston Texans, they win today's game by two touchdowns at least. That's how inconsistent they were today. And that's what makes it so frustrating because there is no longer any logical reason for it to continue to go on like this. There's none. Yeah, I can't I can't imagine, you know, us being on the outside looking in. I know we care about it a ton, but they care about it more. Oh, and absolutely. I'm sure that they are they're feeling so frustrated. And maybe it's that everybody wants to do right all the time. I don't know. I'm thinking of like all these psychological things going on. Maybe they want to do so well. I was talking earlier about, you know, trying to not be the guy to mess up, but like, I just feel like may, may, then if it's not that, then maybe it's, they, they want to, uh, they want to make a play so bad that they, they're over. I don't know. We're all trying to justify it. We're all trying to make excuses. And it's like, you can't anymore. You are what your record is. And they're four and four. And right. That is extremely disappointing. I know you listeners are extremely disappointed. We are disappointed. I would imagine everybody inside of Berea is also disappointed. So, perspective as we move forward, it's 4 and 4. You can still get to the 7 and 4 number that we talked about a week ago. You can still get there. 
We just watched the, the the really terrible New York Jets beat the Bengals. So you get the Bengals next week. You can win that game. You can win the next two, and you can go into your bye and try to come out of it and fight like crazy, right? Like you can do that. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, you can get to plenty seventy-four. You got plenty of time still left, but it is panic situation. It is like full on. There is no room for error. That's what they've done. They've taken out their margin yep. for error. So, you know, we'll just we'll just have to see. We'll just have to see, and all we'll do is react to it, and hopefully it turns around because they've put too much money and too much investment into some of these guys to not start reaping some benefits. So be mad, be upset, be pissed, be annoyed. I think all of those emotions are justified. Uh, but, you know, at the, at the end of the day, uh, you have to you have to move on like they have to, and we got to go back to our lives tomorrow or Monday. Whenever you listen to this, you're already doing it. Hopefully, they can start to bring us a little bit of joy, Steve, because we need some joy, man. We need some joy in November. Yeah, and I just want to reiterate something I said before, and you touched on it there too. Uh, we've said this I, I don't know how many times. If you think we're mad, how do you think these guys feel? I don't. I, I really hope that, that a narrative doesn't start that they don't care or they've thrown in the towel or they're not trying or they're just in it for the money or all that all that crap that sometimes get thrown out there. I, I want to I said it earlier in the pod. I'm going to say it again. I want to be crystal clear. Do not question the heart and dedication and commitment of this team. You want to talk about their execution. You want to talk about the game plan. You want to talk about this drop, that missed throw, this missed tackle. That's all fair game. That's, you know, that's what you do. That's fine. Do not ever drift into, well, these guys just don't care. These guys care so much. They're trying so hard. They're giving everything they have to, to the city of Cleveland. And I appreciate their efforts. I do. I, I, I cannot imagine how frustrated and angry these guys are right now because they know even better than we do that there's no logical reason for it not to be working. They're too good for it not to be working. And so just keep that in mind. Just try to stay behind them as much as you can. I know it's hard. Trust me, I've been doing it for five decades. There are times where you just say to yourself, why do I do this? I, I, I don't. Yeah. Uh, why? Why do I get so mad? Why do I get so angry? What I have done for myself, and maybe this will help somebody out there, is I still the move in '95 changed everything for me. Before '95, I was that guy. I was the guy that would hang on to this all week. I'd be mean to people. I'd have short temper. I would let it affect my life. And when they moved, it sort of put things into perspective. It really knocked me for a loop. You know, because I figured if there was one team in the NFL that was safe, it was the Cleveland freaking Browns. And they moved. And I went, you know what? I got to get some perspective on this because at the end of the day, for us as fans, it's just a game. For them, it's their job. It's their career. It's their livelihood. It means a lot more. But for us as fans, if you're letting it affect your daily life on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're taking it way too serious. Be mad. Be angry. Put your fan hat on on Sunday after the game and celebrate and whoop it up and trash talk your friends or, you know, get mad and be angry and and call people out and all that kind of stuff on Sunday. When you wake up Monday morning, put your family hat back on, put your analyst hat back on and start thinking about, you know, why things went wrong and what they can change and do they still have a chance and how can they get there and try to be try to look more to the lighter shades of life, try to look more to the positive of life. Be happy or be angry on Sunday, but by the time Monday rolls around, don't let it bother you anymore because at the end of the day, for us as fans, it's really not worth it. But don't question their heart 
do not do that because these guys are trying so they're playing their asses off. It's just not working for them. It's just not working. But they don't question their heart. At least you didn't have to come talk about it for 40 minutes the same day it happened. <laughs> so it's even, even more perspective for you. Good stuff, Steve, man. Thank you so much for joining. I appreciate you, and I know everybody does as well. Awesome. Yeah, uh, you know, I wish it was under happier circumstances. A victory pod is always more fun, but uh, love having you on and or love being on with you and uh, love you uh, calling, calling, calling me to be on every Sunday. I appreciate it. Always, always, always. Stay safe out there, Steve. We appreciate it. He's out on the water. He's making uh he's making all the laughs come to fruition out there. So taking some time to pull the internet from everybody else on the ship is always appreciated. Um yeah, that's a wrap. Tomorrow we'll do the OBR Twitch Monday rewind. We'll have a better perspective of the game. I'll get the all twenty two and start start throwing some plays out there and talking through why it happened. That's what we'll do. We'll spend two, three days here wondering, figuring out, processing how, the why and Uh, as we do at the OBR, that nobody else really does. Try to give you perspective on how it actually shook out. And there will be plenty more as well. We'll do some scouting notes where we look at the inside data and details as well. So, all right, guys, have a great Monday. Whenever you listen to this, have a great night, a great day. Uh, Go about your day. The sun will still come up tomorrow, and your 4-4 Cleveland Browns have a chance to get it right in Cincinnati next week. Um, Yeah, have uh, have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. Appreciate all of that, guys, when you do. It means the world to me. It means the world to the OBR. Thanks so, so much. Appreciate you. Have a great one. And we sign off with, as tough as it is right now, go Browns. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.